Would you open God's precious holy word to Psalm 1? We'll be in the first of 41 Psalms, book one of the Psalms. We finished. There are five books of the Psalms. And we finished two of them over the years, and we have three to go. So it'll be just about the rest of the year. And in this, through the 41st Psalm. And you know the first one, you know what the first one is? Psalm 1. <laughs> it was all that candy I ate. Um, the happy man. Psalm 1. It's interesting that uh, the song of hymns and praises for the Old Testament people of God begins with such a psalm. It's very easily outlined, but it has an interesting approach to the mandate from God, to the direction of God into the life of a man who would be blessed or filled with joy or, or happy. It only has two parts. The first part is this. The happy man, the blessed man, will pursue a life that pleases God. Now, if he doesn't do that, he's foolish. And there are a lot of fools in the world today. But the happy man will pursue the life that pleases God. And, he, and it's interesting that the approach from the Holy Spirit through David's pen and through his song here is that in order to be happy, you must start out knowing what not to do. You start out in the negative. So here we go, let's look at it. To pursue the life that pleases God, you have to, number one, know when to say no. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, that is, in the advice in the information of the wicked, nor stands in the way or the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. I'm sure you've heard sermons on Psalm 1. It's easy to note the regress here from walking to standing to sitting from association to identification to fixation. The warning comes from heaven that a man who seeks blessing, who seeks joy in his life, who is seeking the blessing of God that he might be happy, that man does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Now, we're going to learn how here he can avoid that. But he first of all has to avoid the association. Because if he doesn't first avoid the association of the wicked, then in that association, he's going to become identified. 
and he will be in the pathway. He will be in their journey, the journey of sinners, and he'll be flowing along in the way that they flow such that he stands there. And this is where he, this is where in his mind he belongs. And then he moves from association to, to, uh, to identification and finally to fixation. He's seated there. He's sitting down. He's not going anywhere. And his life, his life has been ordered. And so this is the way uh, the world brings people into its web by first of all association. Think of it today. It is very difficult to live in our culture without happening upon the worldly way that brings us or seeks to bring us, or if we're not careful, we'll be there, brings us into an association where we don't belong. It's everywhere. We begin to enjoy watching things um, on TV or on the internet, and at first, it seems like not such a big deal because some of what you get out of it seems to be either entertaining or, or, or happy or whatever, informing. But the association becomes an identification. And you find yourself having to go back to that kind of thing all the time. Such that at last you're fixated with it. And it has to be a part of who you are. This is life. This is the first warning from heaven to the life of a man who would otherwise be blessed and happy. First of all, you learn what not to do. You learn who not to associate with. You learn the way that you should not travel. And you learn the place where you should not be. Where you should not be seated. Fixated. Thus identified with wicked sinners, scoffers. So, the blessing of a happy man, number one, know when to say no. We infer from that is, what we infer from that is this. It seems that life in this world for a believer starts out with everything against who we are. That's the way of the world. So it's just a, it has to start out from a, negative, from a negative point of view. Don't do this. Don't walk there. Don't stand there in that way. And certainly don't be seated there. The opposite then would be, you will not find the blessing. You will not have the happiness. It will be a life that would be a miserable life. It'll work itself out in misery. So know when to say no. Well, that leads then to verse two. Therefore, know when to say yes. Verse two, but his delight, his pleasure is in the law of Yahweh. That's the word of God. You say yes to the word of God. So the very first thing in, 
in, in juxtaposition to what has just been said, the shield against all of that, the first shield, the first thing was the word of God. Here, all they had at that time was the law of Yahweh, the Torah, the Torah of Yahweh. His delight, he delights, it pleases him to be immersed in the word of God. That's where he finds his pleasure. That's where he finds delight for his life. And in his law, he meditates day and night. So he says yes to the word. And then that's followed up by saying yes to the wisdom that is extracted from the word, meditation. Think on it. Concentrate on it. Memorize it. Make it a part of who you are. You say yes then. You say no to the way of the world and to the way of sinners. And in refusing that, you say yes to the word of God. In that, you say yes to the wisdom that is found in the word of God. And then next, you say, when you say yes, you find the will which places you in God's will. Your will which places you in God's will. And he will... Be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. So his life, he has a strong life. He's a strong person. It doesn't take much of a person to go along with the way of the world. It's a broad gate and many there be that enter into it. The other gate's an arrow gate because it's the only way. It isn't a bunch of ways. It's only one way that narrows the gate. And the person then saying yes to the word of God and yes to the wisdom that is extracted from the word of God and yes to the will that is, that is infused into a person's life from the word of God, that person is strong, firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. A fruitful person. A person we're going to see who is a, a productive person. What, what a contrast in the life of a man. What a difference. When he, when he makes this simple foundation in his life, namely, to start out with and to stay with the word of God. Everything else comes from that. Everything else comes. The, the, the will that you have to do things, the, the, the will of God that, over, that superimposes your will. The wisdom that is extracted from the word of God, that is God's wisdom, that gives you a wisdom that the world cannot accept. We live in a foolish world. More so than at any other time that I've, I've known. Uh, people just, things are upside down. They're, they're reprobate. Uh, things are crazy and they're getting crazier as life goes on. 
But the people of God have the same path. We have the same anchor. We have the same foundation. We are, we are established upon and moving upon and moving by the same principles. They are in the word of God. That's the word of God. It's never changing. And so then it's his leaf or its leaf, that firmly planted tree, which is that person, which yields fruit, a fruitful person, its leaf does not wither. Weaknesses, weaknesses just don't remain and abide. We lived in Key West for those nearly four years. There, there is, there's only one season in Key West. You may know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know. It's just the same season all the time. There is no fall in Key West, but leaves are always falling. It's interesting. We had a big mahogany tree in the backyard. That thing was always so strong and beautiful and green, filled with its trees, and the yard around it was filled with brown leaves that had fallen off of it. Something that was affected in some way, but it was shaken off and the overall tree was never affected because literally its leaf never withered. There were always leaves on that thing. It was always strong in the sunlight and in those south winds that blew across it all the time. This is like this, is like this man who is blessed there may be, and there will be, all of us know this, we experience this in life as we go through life. There are things that will prove to be weaknesses to us that will be shaken off and they may fall, but they are replaced with the same thing, even stronger. And the overall beauty is, and the overall strength is never lost. And down there, those fruit bearing trees would always bear their fruit. We had, we had banana trees. I guess you call them trees. They never stopped. Every time a banana tree grew up and gave a bunch of bananas, you would know when to pick the bananas because it got so heavy. What was it, a pod of bananas, I guess? They're on the top. It would get so heavy that it would begin to do this. And we were told by the locals, don't, I don't care how good the bananas look, you don't do anything with them, you don't pick them until they fall completely to the ground. Then you pick them immediately. That's when they're ready. Sweet little Cuban bananas, boy, they were good. But when they got through doing their thing, they left another half dozen trees or plants, whatever you call them, they left another bunch in their place. They were strong. And they, they produced, they progressed, they succeeded, which brings us to this next point. And in whatever he does, he prospers or, or he succeeds. I've watched through my lifetime people debate, I don't know, politics or whatever, and of course, my heroes in the debate would be those who would be expressed believers. And commentary would come on after some debate about how that particular person 
uh, was so strong in the debate. It was just it was just unusual to see such a strong person uh, in in a debate. Now, it wasn't really anything other than the person stood his principles. That's all. Just I had a life of principle. I had a life that had an anchor to it. I had a life that taught me. I had a, a life that was taught by the word of God. And the word of God never changes. Therefore, my principles never change. It's, it's amazing to me how such people in those rare times when they arise uh, to, to places of, 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 uh, of note and all of these other people want to debate against them and, and attack their principles, yet they still, and it's because they stay with the principles. You could, I mean, you could know how the man would answer a question before it was ever asked because you knew the principles upon which he stood. This is the way this man is, this blessed man. Whatever he does, he prospers. He succeeds because he has an established uh, set of principles in his life. He lives according to the word of God. That's how it started out. His delight, his pleasure is in the word of God. And that affects his life in everything. And that's how it should be. It affects his life in business. It should affect a, a student's life in school. It should affect us in our, in our family life. It should, it should affect us in whatever associations we may have because we're in the word of God. We stand on the word of God. We delight in the word of God. It's a pleasure to be that, that, therefore everything. Look what happens. You're strong. You're fruitful. The weaknesses are replaced with strength and you succeed in your life. You know how to live life responsibly, not in some crazy, foolish fashion. You live life responsibly. So you got to know how to, when to say yes, you got to know how to say no. And you pursue the life that pleases God, but you run from the life that displeases God. So here we go. In verses four through six, you stay away from a life that's useless. The wicked are not like that. They're like chaff, which the wind drives away. The Bible is replete with that illustration. The, the grain is brought in and the winnower has to winnow his, his grain. And so he throws it up and the good stuff falls back down. But the chaff that doesn't belong there, the wind blows it away. And it eventually is gathered over there after a, after a big crop comes in. You have all this, this mountain of chaff. It's burned up. It's useless. It's not any good. It just, they set it on fire. But here's the good stuff here. It's, it's used as an illustration of the division between uh, the righteous and the unrighteous at the end of days. To be separated from that which is fruitful, that which is good. And so here's, it's used here again. The wicked aren't like that. They're useless. Their lives are useless. They, they, give, they give nothing that is real and productive because if it opposes the scripture, it will collapse. It will fall in the case of time. The, the Bible teaches us, for example... 
about those kingdoms in the book of Daniel. Each one of them fell. And if you go and study history, you will see and you will find that each of those kingdoms at the end of their time had totally turned away from God and against him and his people and his word. And that kingdom fell and God raised up another one for his purpose and so forth. The one before it, oh, people thought they did mighty things during the days of those kingdoms when they were strong and mighty and of seemingly mighty, but they collapsed to nothing. And that's the story of the book of Daniel, that the stone that grows to be a mountain that is it's cut without hands and it comes as a mighty mountain and strikes the feet of that image and the whole thing collapses and just turns to powder because the whole thing is built on something other than the word of God. But then there are the people of God who stand on the principles of God who count themselves as citizens of the kingdom that will last forever and ever all that chaff which the wind drives away. Stay away from a senseless life. Therefore the wicked will not arise. They will not stand in the judgment. Nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Can you imagine? It's, I, it's, hard, I, it's hard to imagine. First of all, it's hard to imagine how it's going to get set up, the great white throne. Because it seems to be getting set up in a time when, when one universe is burning up and another universe is being created. But standing in the, uh, uh, shielded against all of this, the great white throne and all of the wicked dead are raised up. If they die, the Bible says they come up from the earth, they come up from the ocean, from the sea, wherever they died, they remain, they, they're brought up. They're resurrected. They're raised into corruptible, nasty bodies that are designed to rot and decay forever. It's the second death. They just die forever in a state of death forever. And so the rot, uh, which they are, is cast into the lake of fire. Well, there are maggots there. The worm never dies. There's a fire there. The smoke goes up. And uh, the fire is never quenched. And it's the outer darkness and they can't see. They're blind. They're chewed on by some sort of <laughs> divinely prepared worm. And they weep and they wail. And they gnash their teeth forever they won't stand in judgment they can't they can't exist in the congregation of the righteous they will be eternally separated from the righteous at the end of all things there's no blessing to a person who gives himself over to a senseless life finally you want to be blessed by God? Stay away from the hopeless life. For Yahweh knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Hopeless. Nothing. Hopeless. 
put a dark, dungy grave that will surrender into deplorable decay and then be cast into the lake of fire, a cold, hopeless, Christless grave. That won't make you very happy. But if you want to be the blessed man, finally then, you stay away from the life that has no hope. If in this, Paul said something like this, you know, he said, we, if there is no resurrection, and in this life, this is all the hope we have, we are of all men most miserable to live in nothing but hopelessness. We'll stop there and we'll have our deacon prayer time.